Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. Barry Ebert will be our speaker on April 23rd for a very special Earth Day service. Please join us in person or online. Learn more at milehighchurch.org. In the final years of Mark Twain's life, things got quite uh, difficult. Uh, He lost much of his uh, fortune. He lost a daughter whom he loved, and he lost his uh, beloved wife of many, many years. And when it was time to go to the funeral, he refused to wear black, uh, and instead he wore white, which wouldn't be incredibly unique in itself, except for the day after that, he wore white too. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, so much so that he became known as the man in white who wore white every day nearing the end of his life. And he shared why with a local newspaper. He said, This suit, I may say, is the uniform of the ancient and honorable order of purity and perfection, of which organization I am president, secretary, treasurer, and sole member. I may add that I don't know of anyone else who is eligible. You see, when a man gets to be 71, a kid to us now, as I am, the world begins to look somber and dark. I believe we should do all we can to brighten things up and make ourselves look cheerful. You can't do that by wearing black funeral clothes. And why shouldn't a man wear white? It betokens purity and innocence. The most beautiful costume is the human skin, But since it isn't conventional or polite to appear in public in that garb, I believe in wearing white. And uh, I'm sure his readers were grateful that he didn't. (laughs) The first thing that I love about the story of Mark Twain wearing white is just how sadly beautiful it is. That in the hardest times of our lives, that we may hold space for a little bit of grace in the midst of solemnity. The second thing I love about it is this incredible resilience to practice joy even in the midst of sorrow. I love how the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it. He said, Now the dismal autumn days have begun, and one has to try and get light from within. And lastly, what I love about it, which feeds into the message today, is just how damn intentional he was. It takes an immense amount of intention to wear white every day. And my message today is called Alter Your Life. And it's all about living our life with more intention. I invite you to ask yourself this morning... If you are pleased with the level of intentionality you're living your life with, are you pleased with the level of intentionality that you're living your life with? When you look at your life, is it a series of random events or is it a series of synchronistic connections and encounters? When it comes to your life, are you creating it with choice? Or are you leaving things all in all to chance? Does your life seem like a series of accidents waiting to happen? Or miracles ready to take 
place. And if you prefer the latter of those examples, the key is building intentionality for your life. You know, in our science of mind philosophy, when we talk about intentions, we often refer to them as, as seeds. Seeds of hope, seeds of desire, seeds of want that we plant in the soil of the soul, the creative medium. But the intention that I'm talking about, the intentionality, has more to do with environment. The seeds, super important. The soil, super important. But just as important is the environment that we create for our hopes and dreams and wishes and way of life to come forward. And for too many of us, our life is simply too messy. And there's not enough space for what we really want to grow. And when something is messy, what should we do? Clean it up. We've got to clean up our lives. All that being said, I am reminded of the words of St. George, Carlin, that is, <laughs> who reminds us that dusting is a good example of the futility of trying to put things right. As soon as you dust, the fact of your next dusting has already been established. Touche, George. But what if we can identify what's causing the mess? What if we can do something about it? And for me, what's causing the mess isn't a thing, it's something that's lacking. It's that intentionality that knows why we're here, what the spaces we live in are for, and what it means to live in accordance with a dynamic purpose. To not only have seeds of hope and desire, to not only trust that a higher power is working on creating those for you, but to bring consciousness and intention to our environment so that the best can grow and take place. Ellen Langer, a great psychologist on the topic of mindfulness, she shares, it is not primarily our physical selves that limit us, but rather our mindset about our physical limits. She uses the example of a family that's gathering together to potentially make the difficult decision to put mom in a retirement home. And the reason why is because mom can no longer get her groceries, bring them to the door, put them on the ground, unlock the door, lift the groceries up, and take them inside. And Langer says there may be many reasons why mom might need to go in the home, but had anyone ever thought of building a shelf? Right? Just a few weeks ago, it was a Saturday morning, and I got to be with my daughter for several hours, and she wanted to wear some shorts. And um, we spent about an hour and a half searching for shorts in all the places where kids' clothing might be. In the closet, behind the couch, in the car, in the washing machine, in the backyard, in the front door. No shorts. Very frustrating. My wife, April, comes home, and Nancy announces that she wants some shorts. And within about 60 seconds, April had grabbed some scissors and cut some tights. Nancy very happily was wearing shorts. I would have never thought to do that 
in a million years. Langer goes on to say, it is not primarily our physical selves that limit us, but rather our mindset about our physical limits. That's what I read last time. What I meant to say was, too many of us believe the world is to be discovered rather than a product of our own construction and thus to be invented. One more time. Too many of us believe the world is to be discovered rather than a product of our own construction and thus to be invented. What I want you to know today is this, that there is nowhere in your life where you can't be intentional. Nowhere in your life where you can't be intentional. And bringing a consciousness of intentionality and clarity to your life is how you alter your life. We're very blessed today, as you can see, to have um, a couple beautiful altars that have been created for us here. And what is an altar? Originally, an altar was a place where we made an offering to God or to the gods. But over time, altars have developed into spaces of reverence that connect us with the sacred. Spaces of reverence that connect us with our inner being, that help us recall our purpose and our connection with God. I'm very grateful for the creators of these altars. I'm going to invite them up now. There are two of our wonderful prayer practitioners who um, often create these altars for our practitioner meetings, and they're just both incredible people. They are Wick Hampton and Rocio Self, master altar creators. And uh, you can see how unique their relationship with the divine is. Is unique a good word for you? I I think so. Uh, uh, in, In expressing who they are. And I just would like to ask both of you today to tell us just a little bit about what your altar represents for you and the difference that creating altars makes in your life. Thank you, Josh. Uh, I just feel so honored, and uh, I feel the reverence of just being here with you and um, having the privilege and just the honor to present this altar that has come from my heart and representing the, the many faces of the divine. And in this case, for me, the many faces of the divine mother that is also woven and tradition that is a part of the golden thread that we teach. So uh, that, is, uh, that was my intention in the presentation of my altar is to, to bring that peace that is very dear in my heart in the many years that I have uh, spent in discovering uh, that aspect of spirituality that is uh, deepening and learning from the, the teachings of the Divine Mother that is um, uh, also a way of getting deeper into that understanding that we have the divine feminine and the divine masculine within us. And so honoring the, the face of God as the father in the face of uh, God as the mother. So it's, it's just a joy to me. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Rocio. And Wick. Um, good morning, y'all. Um, you know, life isn't easy, but it doesn't have to be hard. And when I'm looking for happiness, my life's kind of hard. But when I allow happiness to find me, not only is my life easier, but it's fun. 
So I try to start my day out looking for fun, and I've got fun on my altar to remind me to look for fun and to look for joy all around me in my world and everyday things from simple things like Krispy Kreme donuts to number two pencils to the Easter bunny to plastic dinosaurs. I find joy in all these little simple things. And when I see joy, I say thank you. That's my favorite prayer. I say thank you out loud as many times as I can during the day. And that tells the universe I'm grateful. And usually, fun things and joy comes back to me. Beautiful. Thank you, Wick. Thank you, Rocio. They spent hours putting these together for us today, so please enjoy them. Now, you, you may look at these and say to yourself, I could never do something like that. But my message to you today is absolutely, yes, you can. And you might not think you have many altars in your life, but the truth is, is we all have altars everywhere. A collection of pictures of loved ones on a wall, um, the, the way that we display certain books in particular places, uh, a screensaver that we have on our computer at work. Anything can become an altar when we bring reverence and a spirit of sacred remembrance to it. And so I want to talk today and get some interaction from you on how to alter your life through utilizing the spirit of the altar. And the first thing I want to invite you to do, and you may want to write this down or take mental notes if you're um, watching from wherever you are, is to identify three spaces in your life where you would want to increase your sense of meaning. What are three areas of your life? It could be your kitchen, your living room, the car, your cubicle at work, your man cave, your she shed, your backyard, your community. The interaction has begun. So take a moment and identify three spaces where you'd like to increase your sense of the sacred meaning and purpose. I have chosen today our dining room, our bedroom, and my car. Those are three spaces. And the first step now is to articulate your prayerful intention for those three spaces. What is your prayerful intention for those three spaces? I'll share mine as you think about yours. For the dining room, I declare my prayerful intention is that this is a space for meaningful connection and conversation. This is a space for meaningful connection and conversation. For the car, this is a space not only for safe travel, but for learning and inspiration. And for the bedroom, the prayerful intention is that this is a space for sacred rest and sacred love. A space for sacred, yeah, uh, a space for sacred rest and sacred love. So what are your three spaces and what's a prayerful intention that you have for those spaces? Anybody? Raise your hand. I'm coming out there. Want to share? Yeah. Three spaces are my room and my my 
your house? Beautiful, wonderful. Let's hear it for him. Fantastic. Who else has one? Right, right there, I'm sorry. Barbara, dear, you might have to come over this way. I have to hold it because then you become the minister if I That's let right. it go. Um, okay, so one of my spaces is, um, is my deck, I think, because I I'm, I'm love gardening, and I think I put a lot of care and love into my garden, but I want to put heart into my deck. I'm also sort of a neat freak, so I don't like lots of junk, and I've got three kids. But why not develop a like, d- devoted sort of heart space for me yes. and my family on the deck space? Beautiful. Fantastic. I'm going to stop running over there, but anyone over here, c- come closer. Um, my she shed, which I actually have. Um, I have all positive messages, crystals, candles. Um, it's my sacred place. Wonderful. And when I feel disconnected, I go in there and I sing, surely the presence of God is in this place. Oh, I love it. I love it. Anyone this way? Well, I'm walking back up. Oh, you, oh, you shy groups. I'll, I'll get back over there. Oh, we do have one more. Okay. Come here. Come a little closer. Oh, you. Oh, I will come. I'm going to try not to use any more materials, but um, things that I already have around my home. Just gathering things in nature to put in my home and make a more beautiful place. Um, having conversations with like the trees and the beautiful things in my backyard and really creating that space to feel more intentional around my home. Beautiful. And yeah, that will be my altar. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Aren't we, we're so grateful for our um, deaf community and we're so grateful for our interpreters. What is your name again? Kaylee, thank you so much, Kaylee. So we set our, our prayerful intentions, uh, and what that means is that we're blessing and deciding what the space is for. The second step, after we've set our prayerful intention of what our space is for, is we now get to declare and articulate what it's not for. What it's not for. Our dining room is a place for meaningful connection and conversation. Board games, yes. Cell phones, no. Books, no. Not allowed in this space. The car is a space for really good tunes and for lectures. It's not a space for bad music or punditry. Not allowed. The bedroom, a space of sacred rest and sacred love, It is not a space to do work on. It is not a space to argue with my spouse. As a friend of mine, Dr. Lois Nightingale, she lives in California, she wrote a book, it's a bedroom, not a boardroom. (laughs) And so our spaces need our reverence and our intention, but also our protection, our boundaries that allow the space to work for us instead of working against us. Lastly, Decide on the symbols that you want to use, the altars you want to create that remind you of the intention of the space and connect you with it. 
on the kitchen table this week, I took a gift I received from my son when he was eight years old that said, the love of a family is life's greatest blessings. And we put some virtue cards on the table as well for us to draw and conversate. Great reminders. In the car, I'm going to put on a little sticky that says, I'd rather be driving. (laughs) Simply to remind me that time in the car isn't wasted, but is meaningful time for that learning and inspiration. And in the bedroom, honoring sacred love and sacred rest, there's, there's only one thing I want and need, and they're sitting right over there. Not you, sir. My wife's sitting next to you, right over there. <laughs> to, to be present with that. Uh, you know, can you think of that symbol that you want to put in your space and what it, what it is? And we, we can hear from a couple people. You can share with someone uh, around you what comes up for you. Has anyone got anything? Peace signs. No tech. Good boundaries. Yeah. So keep thinking about it. And through setting a prayerful intention, through knowing what your space is not for just as much as what it is, and creating and bringing forth those symbols that remind you of your spirit, you can transform and alter your life. Now, one challenge that may come up is that we're not always in control of all of our spaces. Your space might be a, a, a conference room with challenging meetings at work or somebody else's Zoom room. It's important to remember that you have already always the greatest altar that there is, and it's yourself. Hey, Josh, what do you do? I'm a mobile altar. <laughs> you are a sacred being. You are sacred space. And when you bring that intention, you can remind yourself of that in life. We talked about Mark Twain wearing all white. Another favorite example of mine is from the late, great uh, first female secretary of state, Madeleine Albright. When she was 11 years old, she immigrated from Prague right here to the Denver area of Colorado. Uh, it's, uh, It's interesting to note that the next great female secretary of state, Condoleezza Rice, had her formative years here in Colorado. So Colorado is a place that creates powerful female leaders in the world. Isn't that awesome? And Albright was a lover of brooches, a lover of pins. And early in her um, term as secretary of state, um, Iraq published in a newspaper a poem about Madeleine Albright that wasn't very nice, referring to her as a serpent. So what did she do? The next time Iraqi diplomats came to the United States, she wore a serpent (laughs) on her vest. The new president of Russia at the time, Vladimir Putin, figured out really quickly and and shared with uh, President Bill Clinton at the time that he he knew immediately the first thing to do with Madeleine was to read her pins. (laughs) She would wear a turtle if negotiations were going slow. She'd wear a butterfly if there was a symbol of some hope. The press would always ask, what's with the ladybug? Why the spider? Does the angel mean you're in a good mood? The wasps, does it sting? And Albright, who was a wonderful memoir writer, would write a a book called Read My Pins. And I just love the intentionality of that that we can choose in what we wear and how we show up. And in the consciousness of our own mind, we can create an altar right there that allows the sacred to come through. That's been a mantra for me as of late, is my mind is a sanctuary. 
You want to say that with me? My mind is a sanctuary. The thinker is always welcome, but his thoughts are not always welcome. Because this mind is a place for the sacred. It's a place for upliftment, for divine memory, and for inspiration. And when something gets in that doesn't belong or doesn't honor the sacred, that it needs to go somewhere else. Look at your life. See the beauty and the magnificence in it and see it in the space of what's possible. Set your prayerful intentions. Articulate your boundaries of what your space is for and what it isn't. And utilize those symbols, those gifts of God in your life to inspire a divine recollection that can allow you to let all the mess go and take care of itself. To close with some words from Ramana Maharshi, place your burden at the feet of the Lord of the universe, who is ever victorious and accomplishes everything. Remain all the time steadfast in the heart, in the transcendental absolute. God knows the past, present, and future. God will determine the future for you and accomplish the work. What is to be done will be done at the proper time. Don't worry. Abide in the heart and surrender your acts to the divine. So just moving into a prayer this morning, I invite any of our wonderful practitioner prayer partners to stand and join me as we create a consciousness. We create a consciousness which is an opening, a vessel, an altar for the divine to come through. We create this altar on our hearts, knowing it is a space for transparent love of giving and receiving. We create an altar of our mind that allows only the finest and purest of seeds to be planted. And we open up the spaces of our lives to nurture the seeds planted in the heart of the creative medium, to call forth, to welcome in the new, to let go of what's old and worn out and dusty, and to allow, with the clarity of our vision, to clean up our lives, to make room for God and what matters most. We give thanks for this. We embody this. We are this. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.